Welcome to the Build My Online Store podcast, where we discuss everything and anything about running an online store. If you like the podcast, sign up for the mailing list to get news and updates at buildmyonlinestore.com. And now, here's your host, Terry Lynn. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Build My Online Store podcast. I'm your host, Terry. And this week, we have a special guest, Jimmy from Geek Cook USA. And so I got the idea to interview this business from Michael Michelini from episode three. Uh, if you remember, he does product sourcing in China. And so I asked him if you could recommend any e-commerce businesses in China, that would be fun to hear about and to see how things work. So he passed me along to Geek Cook and Jimmy runs their US operations while they have a team of designers and manufacturers based in China. So tune in, this is a very interesting story. It's different from your usual store that's based in the US and hope you get a lot of value out of this. All right, so today I'm joined by Jimmy over at Geek Cook USA in New York to talk about their e-commerce business in China and the US. What's up, Jimmy? Hey, how's it going? Hey, I'm bad, yourself? Good, good, good. It's going well, thank you. So why don't you start from the top then? Uh, kind of, What's the business and the story behind it? Well, uh, the business started in 2009. And um, David, that's uh, the head designer, he just had a couple of ideas here and there. And uh, he threw it together, you know, put up a site, and uh, he noticed people were buying it. They started just designing products and people were buying it. And that's just, it just, become, it just became a business that way. Then um, put it on AliExpress so they can get other Chinese buyers. They stay using in the other side as well, the uh, I think it's Ta- Taibo. I'm not too sure how to pronounce it, but it's another e-commerce site for uh, mostly Chinese manufacturers. And they put it on there, and I, I guess they started, started making sales and they started working. And so AliExpress and Taibo are kind of like the Shopify evolution for the outside world. Is that correct? Shopify evolution is more of like a B2C thing. They're using AliExpress and Taibo f- to get other businesses, other Chinese businesses to sell their products for like a wholesale thing. Oh, so is it, is it sort of more like Amazon? Mm, not, okay, you know, like, I'm sure you've heard of DHgate. Yes, yes. So it's like a DHgate to them. They put it on there, people go there and buy in wholesale uh, prices, and they sell it on their online store. They sell in their, you know. I see, so it's more like a portal to, okay, I, I got you. Exactly. It's a portal for other buyers, other Chinese buyers or vendors to find products and buy. I see. And so what are your main product lines you guys sell? Our main product line is um, actually the iPhone cases. We have a variety of iPhone cases made of different types of wood. We have a bamboo, maple wood, walnut. Yeah, and that's it. I see. And I see a lot of other stuff. Like there's some like AK-47 wall hangers. Uh, (laughs) Who comes comes up with the idea for that? The designers, they come up with the idea. They, what I, this is especially what drew me to Geek Cook, the fact that they are very creative and they can make things that relate to uh, technology and uh, pop culture, you know? So people get invested in it. I, I know this. You know, I watched a movie with this, and, like, uh, aside from the cases, our bestseller is also the um, DIY at, at cable organizer. That's so crazy. That has uh, received the most press. It's been on um, discoverychannel.com, msnbc.com, gizmodo. Basically, what it is, is uh, 
it's a cable organization shaped as the uh, the at, at Walker in Star Wars. It's part of pop culture. People remember that. People remember, oh, I remember it's in Star Wars, so they like it and they buy it. So that's been a, aside from the cases, that's been a bestseller. And uh, they just come up with these crazy, uh, you know, ideas. They, they they look at something, you know, and uh, they relate it to something that's happened in, in the past or some kind of pop culture, and they make it, and uh, people fall in love with it that way. Yeah, and I see there's a light that has like a, I guess it's propped up like one of those machines in the Matrix and it has a light. <laughs> it looks really cool. Oh, okay, the, uh, the intruder lamp? Yeah, the intruder lamp, yeah. Yeah, we do a lot of lamps as well. Aside from accessories, we do a lot of home furniture as well. You know, stuff you can take home that makes your house look a bit different, a bit more quirky. You know, they're very, very functional stuff, but stuff that looks good as well. And so if I'm understanding this right, the designer makes their own product and then they put it on Geekook where they can, other buyers can procure it is that correct correct yeah the designers we make the products we come up with the ideas and uh they put it in their site for consumers to buy and for other you know vendors to buy as well i see i see and so how does your business model work out like where does your revenue come from like a commission or how does where does it come from you mean geek cook us or geek cook as a whole well, I guess, okay, let me back up a little bit then. So how is Geek Cook US different from the China one? Okay, so Geek Cook US, I'm in charge of the whole Geek Cook US. Well, Geek Cook US is different as to basically we're just based in the US. I go through products that we make. Whenever there's something new, I go through it. And I uh, I look at stuff that will work here in the US market. You know, people, things that people fall in love with here. And we sell that on the US arm of Geek Cook. You don't sell everything because I think some things can't, won't sell here, you know. So I go through stuff that will sell here and I, we just put that on our U.S. store. And um, the way we work, it's essentially the same way as Geek Cook, but we're just U.S. And we just sell to U.S. consumers. We also do a lot of business to business as well. So I sell to um, big companies like Uncommon Goods, Think Geek, uh, Urban Outfitters, bigger companies. We try to sell to them. That's, that's the business model. What do you look for when you're trying to port a product into the U.S.? From China? Uh, well, first of all, I look for the design. Is there going to be an emotional connection here? People, you know, in the U.S. going to look at this and like, wow, I remember the, like like I said, the at, at Walker, like everyone's connected to it because there's a lot of Star Wars fanatics here in the U.S. So I look for stuff like that. What's going to connect them emotionally to this product? So, for example, we just created a new product called the um, classic 80s boombox bag. And that was pretty easy to determine that it sell here in the U.S. One, because, you know, it was in the 80s. People carried uh, boomboxes that looked like the bag in the 80s. And also, I, I can't remember, I don't know if you've seen a uh, Spike Lee movie, uh, Do the Right Thing. There was a character in there uh, that carried a boombox around called Radio Rahim. Like, wow, people are going to relate to this. So that was easy to pour it. So one, you know, I look for if there's going to be an emotional connection to the U.S. buyers. You know, are they going to like it? Are they going to relate to it? And two is the design itself. The design is always is always well done. I look for the simplicity of uh, right from the get-go. This, it's well designed. You know, it's designed top class. Everything looks good. But I look to see how simple it is because <laughs> I think Americans are lazy too, you know. Putting things together might be a bit too hot because we have a lot of DIY products and um, sometimes it takes forever. So I look for I look at how easy it's going to be to put together and I make my decision based upon those two things. And are there products that sell well in both markets that you've seen? Oh yeah, they definitely. Um, the app sells well. The cases sell well. You know, there's a lot of iPhones in the US as well as in China as well. The wall hooks sell well. The AK47, the M16 wall hooks yeah. sell well. Yeah. 
I would totally buy one of these. <laughs> we don't we don't actually sell all here in the U.S. because feel some they take too long to put together, and some people don't even uh, know what exactly it is. Like the intruder is actually based off our uh, character, uh, a machine in uh, World of Worlds with Tom Cruise. Oh wow, that came out a long time ago, huh? Yeah, yeah, exactly. People can uh, relate to it, so we don't carry that here. I think that's about it. So it's interesting that you guys manufacture everything in China, but then you split it into two markets to sell. That's very true. Yeah, we manufacture everything in China, and it's crazy too. We share the markets for two different things. It's because um, as much as possible, try to pick things that work here in the U.S. Because I already have so much going against me, being the fact that it's made in China. You know, and despite the fact that design wonderfully, and design is a big industry taking off in the U.S. Being in China, it's already uh, something stacked against us. So I try to pick things that I know will work perfectly right from the get-go. So you can use a design to overcome the stigma of being made in China. For example, yesterday, uh, David designed two clocks. Two new clocks, and uh, I, I couldn't even actually take both of them. First one was because he had uh, a lot of uh, Chinese characters, you know, which I think is cool, you know. Yeah, but the second one was awesome. It was a Space Invaders clock. Instead of the uh, the numbers, it has Space Invaders, and I'm sure I remember Space Invaders from the '90s. So I was excited about that. Yeah, I see. So does David do most of the design stuff? Designer. Uh, he has a couple guys he works with, but he's the head designer. They all come up with the concepts together and they uh, they execute. So which side of the business would you say accounts for mostly revenue? Like the China, is the China business bigger or is the U.S. one? I, you know, to be honest, I really don't know. I know uh, the U.S. business just started a year ago and the Chinese business has been around since 2009. I just started the U.S. one a year ago, but we've been making massive strides, being with massive companies, partnering with massive big e-commerce company here in the U.S. Not even just e-commerce companies, companies in general. Like I said, like I said, Urban Outfitters, you know, working with them, they're doing a whole lot of B2B, and uh, that's very, very good. The only thing I'm, we're, we're working on and we're not strong at yet is the B2C. So working on that, but the wholesale is very, very good. On the China end, retail is very good as well, but not, we're not at that stage in the U.S. yet. I see. And so for your products that are very design-based, how do you approach the B2B wholesalers? Uh, my first buyer I actually spoke to and made a sale with was actually a company actually based here, obviously based in the U.S. And I just went to uh, the company's directory and I, uh, and I found the uh, email for the buyer. And I, hit, I said, hey, listen, we have this, some of this stuff we just made that I think fits perfectly with your brand. You know, I'd love to send you a sample. Sure enough, the next day they replied. I sent them a sample and a couple of days down the road they made a, they sent us a PO. So I just reach out to different buyers as often as I can and uh, try to pitch them on our products. Some people say no, some people say yeah. It's just basically how it works. Yeah, and one of my previous guests said B2B is a lot easier to identify the customer, whereas B2C, uh, you have to sell each person each time. And have you found that to be a lot easier in your case? Uh, yeah, I'll definitely agree with him. B2B is a lot more easy. And first of all, you don't really have to uh, identify the end user. I mean, they already have it built. It's like a, a step to take. You just have to give it to this middleman and his crew and send it to all the end user. And you, B2C, you have to build your own community, your own consumers. And it's a bit hard because you're just starting off, you know, uh, like a week you sell a couple of things and you think you have, you know, okay, people like this. So next week, 
it won't come back. So it takes a lot of analytics. You have to go back, do diligence and uh, see exactly what's selling, why it's not selling. And, you know, is it the price? There's a lot of things to figure out to get the sweet spot that you can get that returning consumer, you know? Yeah. And you have to run each person through their sales funnel each time, wherever they're at. Okay. And so for the B2B sales funnel, um, are, are the most B2B companies where their buyers, procurement guys, are they pretty much set up the same way? Yeah, they're pretty much set up the same way from what I've encountered. Um, you know, they have this, I guess, budget they're supposed to go through for the year. A lot of people are pitching them on products daily. Some people don't even pitch them. Some people just even send them their samples without talking to them anything, which I try to avoid. And I'll say the reason why we've had success is just because of the quality of the products. They are that good. you know. And the thing is, also, you have to pick the specific consumer, even on the uh, B2B end. You have to pick a consumer that they like this kind of design or product. So for example, I'm not going to go sell a geek product on a website like overstock.com, you know? And it's very relationship driven too. Oh yeah, it's very, yeah. I would like to uh, actually go out and network with as many as possible um, these buyers in person as soon as, as, uh, as much as possible. But to be honest, I don't even see them, you know, in public out there. I, I go to a lot of startup events here in, uh, in New York, New Jersey, uh, tri-state areas as well. And it's mostly technical people I meet, you know, like web developers, web designers. You don't get to meet people in like the fashion or the buying industry, or maybe I'm going to the wrong events, but uh, it is relationship-based. One thing I know they like is exclusivity. You know, I say, hey, man, you're going to be the first one to have this on your site. So, uh, I, I mean, no, let's do something. So it's really, really relationship-based. You're right. I see. And so how about the pricing when you're negotiating B2B? Do you have any, uh, what's your experience there? What I suggest is you just, you just have to think of the bottom line. You know, you have to put everything into consideration, you know, how much it's going to be to get the factory cost, shipping, logistics, warehousing, storage, Make sure all of that is factored in before say yes to a price you're not comfortable with. And I made that mistake in the past when I first started doing this. You know, I wanted to have this our products on this site so bad. I didn't. I didn't even figure. I just said yes to whatever price they said, and uh, it was definitely a big mistake. You have to make sure the bottom line. Make sure you're going to be making money at the end of the day because everything that can go wrong usually goes wrong, especially when you're doing with uh, logistics coming from China. Got stopped by customs, you know, and they went through. They did all the inspections they wanted, and the funny thing is, they did these inspections and they charge you for it. Oh, really? Yeah, we they had um, an extra inspection. They weren't satisfied, so they actually went did a manual inspection as well and went into the goods. And at the end, they're holding the products back because with these companies, you have an expected delivery date. They're holding the products back, and each day it's late. They're taking away like five percent, or depending on what their terms and conditions say, taking away five percent from the value of the PO, and then they now charge you for the inspection. So there's a lot. Considered, you just have to make sure you go back, do the math, and make sure everything is, uh, you know, well accounted for in the end. Uh, so just always leave yourself enough cushion, you know, aside from just your profit, always leave enough more cushion just in case anything happens. And it's not a good strategy to lose money and try to make it up by volume. Oh, definitely not. It always comes back to bite you in the end, you know, especially when you're dealing with large, large, large amount of volumes, you know, because like I said, something, something always happens when it comes to uh, dealing with qu- quantity. Yeah, and, and I, I'm guessing because the B2B customers know you're making them in China, I, I assume they would give you a lot of pricing pressure too, right? 
Oh, yeah, yeah. And that's one thing I also, right from the get-go, I tell them I'm made in China so there's no confusion in the end. Sometimes these companies, they order us in such large quantities that I don't even have that stocked in our U.S. warehouse. So I'm always open with them. Hey, listen, this is going to come from our our Chinese warehouse because I don't have the amount you want here in the U.S. So I'm always open with them. I tell them it's coming from China. They react to it the way they're going to react to it. Some people don't mind. Some people, like you said, they go with, they change the price and like, oh, it's, it's being made in China. So it has to be extremely cheap. But not everything in China is made extremely cheap. I think I'm going to get David or someone to send, an assistant to send you some samples as well. So you can even see the quality of the goods. You know, they're made very well. I'll say maybe 70% of the products are made handmade. So, you know, that takes time as well and increases the quality. We get a lot of, you know, rap. Oh, it's being made in China. It must be cheap, but it actually isn't. Yeah, and because it's uniquely designed too. It's not just a mass-produced item also, right? We use the best raw materials. For example, our, our maple wood cases. We use North American maple wood. So we get the wood here in the U.S. and we make it in China. So it's stuff like that that increases to the quality of the product. All right, cool. And, and so what's the shipping process like from China? Like how long does it take and like what's the process? Oh, it's a massive, massive headache. So we do it two ways. Most times we have our stuff stocked here in the U.S. either for vendors or for consumers, you know, so they could just order it and uh, we ship right here from the U.S., which is obviously easy. We use UPS and sometimes we use USPS. But sometimes they order such big quantities that it's not even in our U.S., that if we actually use what we have in the U.S., you know, it'll dry us up for the next month or two months or so. And sometimes we, do, we just don't even have that quantity. So what we do is we do two things. Uh, if it's, It depends on the size of the uh, product. So, for example, if it's like 100 cases, we can just put that in two boxes. Uh, fit perfectly in two boxes, 50 to 50 each, and uh, we'll just DHL it to me here. If it's not that heavy, you can use DHL. It's still a bit costly, but definitely better to have it faster than actually using uh, freight, which is our other option when it gets really, really heavy, and which is what we've been doing most of the time. And I try to do freight quarterly because I we literally we fill up one qu- container every quarter and uh, we send it down. And that's that's where the big headache comes in. Um, they pack it there at the Chinese warehouse. Uh, they you know make sure everything is tagged properly. It usually fits one container, and that's a lot. That's a lot of product in one container. You know, it'll take literally I think month to get here. And since we're coming from China, we always get subjected to a custom inspection. I mean, it's a it's usually something they do at random. For some reason, we always get picked so we get like another two weeks when we get to the u.s sit at the docks just going through the product i have a, a warehouse set up where it's automatically uh taken from the port to a warehouse and the warehouse is where it stays until i go clean it or until i go pick it up with a truck or something right so uh you're talking about how your shipping takes like a month right so i guess if you order quarterly you need to forecast your sales quite well right oh yeah it has to be literally pinpoint you know um and most times the first two it's usually an order that a big company has made and uh obviously i include some things there just for the uh warehouse in the u.s here and usually the final one is usually around the christmas time around the holidays we do a lot of b2c for that as well so try to you know forecast and predict when it's gonna get here obviously we give ourselves enough time and uh so we can have enough products during the holiday season Uh, when a customer orders from b2b do they make you hold the inventory cost or do they pay you like right away as they get the product Okay, well, the way things are done here in the U.S., which was another obstacle we had to deal with, the Chinese geek cook and the U.S. geek cook, I guess what they do in China is as, as soon as they want something, they pay for it right up 
that, you know, right up front. What we do here in the U.S. is um, especially uh, we've been working with a lot of big e-commerce companies. They do, uh, we use POs. First, they were very uncomfortable with that. You know, we're just going to send goods, you know, and not get any money. What if they just take our money? I'm like, oh, no, don't worry. You're not going to do that. These are, you know, established e-commerce companies. I mean, this PO is literally, I try to explain to them, this PO is literally a contract, you know, stating they're going to pay us. As soon as we deliver so, 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 so amount. They had to get used to the idea of getting money after. We do get a a bunch of, you know, companies or web shops as well that if they're making an order and it's nothing crazy, nothing big, they'll pay up up front. But with the big orders, we use PL. I'm sure you know what it is. As soon as we uh, deliver the product, they usually pay us within 15 to 30 days or or whatever it states in the PL. I see. So it it does stretch your cash flow cycle a little bit. Oh, it definitely does. It definitely does. Um, Especially since we're a small company, I, I really wish we could uh, have all the cash right up front, you know, because it, it's going to let us do more things. Sometimes it gets really uncomfortable, especially when we make a really big order and we have to wait like a couple of uh, a couple of weeks to get the payment to do the next thing with it, you know. Oh, wow. So you have to wait all, for it to go all the way to the U.S., past customs to your warehouse and then to your customer. And then like 15, 30 or 60 days. Like, oh, wow. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So there's a, there's a big uh, delay with the cash flow when orders are made. But uh, it's just something we're learning to uh, get used to and work with. I try to make uh, Eat Cook USA as uh, smooth and easy as possible. And like I said, most of the time, I'm not even involved in the uh, product design department, which, you know, pretty cool. I mean, they they come out with good products often. Everything that they've come out with, I like. I'm more than welcome to design as well with them, which have uh, thrown some ideas here and there, and hopefully I get to see it into fruition sometime soon. So um, what I was trying to do, I just try to make it as easy as possible, you know, to run a business and uh, not have to put too much into it, you know. That's why I initially started with focusing on B2B a year ago. And now that we're getting the volume that we, we want to get from B2B, I want to start focusing on uh, the consumer aspect as well, which is very hard right now. Once the consumer aspect is up, it'll help your cash flow too, because you basically get it right away as soon as they pay for it. Exactly. You get it right away. You get it for full price as well, you know. Yeah, it'll make you sleep easier at night, I bet. Yeah, especially since it's just literally been a year. Uh, B2C is it's not that bad, but it's not good enough. You know, it's not good enough to sustain a business. That's the thing. We do get orders once in a while. We get orders here and there, but uh, it's not enough to sustain a business. We're literally running the whole thing off uh, these other vendors and all these big e-commerce companies. So it uh, can be a lot better. Yeah, that's funny. And do you find it funny that Chinese are making, you know, unique, boutique cool products being sold in the u.s i think it's awesome you know i mean aside from just even chinese companies most of the american companies that you know design pretty cool stuff most of them are made in china as well you know they make a lot of a lot a lot of good stuff on there and um it's unfortunate that people haven't seen the, uh, the potential that's coming from uh from china yeah and i think a lot of people are still stuck with the mentality that they make cheap products and they're just like a factory yeah We've made cases for shoes, companies like Tom Shoes, and they, they loved it from the get-go. I mean, it, it never came into a, being a product yet. We've worked with ideas with them. We've thrown concepts at them, we've, and they loved it. They were like, wow, this, you know, it's big. I mean, the, the quality is unbelievable, and um, it's a shame that people have that, you know, backwards mentality still. Even these big companies that uh, have these big names, they make things in China as well. People just... Uh, refuse to believe because of the name you know yeah and so if i look at it from a different angle you have an advantage because your design team 
is based in China. Uh, they speak Chinese. They know the market well. Whereas if you're a foreign company, you have to actually go find someone like Michael to do all your QC design. And do you have any thoughts on that? Exactly. Well, that's that's exactly why I love uh, what I'm doing with Geek Cookie. It's exactly what, like I said, I wish I want to do something without putting too much effort and without putting too much money. And I, at this point, I haven't, you know, like I said, I'm I'm really involved in the design process. I can be if I want to. You know, I, that's why I love it a lot. I just get to sell these stuff and i'm as passionate as they are i see like whoa you made that you know that's pretty cool and uh and i just it just you know it just fuels me to get people to buy it yeah that's really cool because they won't have to worry they're already surprised with the quality of your products made in china so they don't need to worry about any of that yeah exactly on the chinese and they're surprised as well that it's actually selling in the u.s when i got a uh, our first big big order they were like shocked you know at first they were like a bit nervous about it because like i said it was a po and the way our relationship with geek cook is is more of a another company entirely so luckily i have the permission to use their name so it makes it a lot easier selling product but i'm, I'm more of a you know a different company entirely i'm a part of their organization that's that's the way they're comfortable with so if i get an order of uh, a couple of things for here and there i have to pay for it from our, our company funds but when we got this big big order now i said listen guys we got this massive order i bought them the po i'm like there's no way i'm putting my own cash out for this but if you want to lose this order feel f- we'll, we'll both lose it but i think we have to do this uh they were a bit nervous at first because they've never done anything like that like i like i'm sure you're more than you know the Chinese culture especially since they haven't even met these people they're selling to you know they haven't even met me as well and now they're supposed to send some products you know to the US without no cash yeah no cash (laughs) so they were very very uncomfortable with it but luckily I had a track record with them you know I've been selling stuff consistently you know and uh, they went ahead Um, luckily they took it and uh, they were so excited like they, they don't believe how much volume there's on the u.s right now oh, that's so so interesting that it's <laughs> it's a chinese product selling in the u.s um, it blows my mind and so who's the typical customer in the u.s do you have any idea like who buys from your customers at in terms of the end market okay first of all there's all the fanatics you know that like all this uh star wars stuff that they make you know they have all that they have all the fans from star wars and all the uh, geeks that love all these DIY products. And aside from that, they have the iPhone market, people who just want to be different and want to be cool and tired of carrying a plastic case or a rubber case. Like, wow, this case is made out of wood. So that audience, they have a lot of people, a lot of trendy, you know, up-and-coming teenagers. They love all that stuff. And uh, the DIY projects, a lot of moms love that, you know, stay-at-home moms who can just, you know, sit down for like an hour or so and make something. It's literally making something from scratch with all the DIY products we make. So our customer base is big, you know. Most of this stuff are like cool gift ideas that, you know, people buy their dads, you know, dads buy their kids. So there's a lot of cool stuff here that a lot of people like the lamps, people buy for their offices and uh, it's, it's just a you know variety of people that are attracted that gravitate to the uh, geek cook products and so when you're when you're dealing with the Chinese business culture uh, did you try a lot of convincing or did you or do you say cash speaks a lot more than convincing oh cash well that's one thing I've learned especially with Michael and because uh, Michael was obviously the one who got me into geek cook he taught me a lot about their business culture they do like to meet in person but eventually we just started building trust I said what I figured out myself was like you know what just give them cash or pay from the get-go right with everything I just build a level of trust with them and that's what I started doing I started doing 
orders, you know, I'll send them money right from the get-go, get another order, send them money, and uh, built up a level of trust, and I was able to take us to the point where we're at now, right now. So, so if there were three things you would recommend, tips about doing business in China, one would be cash, and what would, what would you say number two or three would be? Uh, even if I haven't done this yet, you have to meet the person, meet the person you're doing business with in China. Then, but luckily, I met Mike. You know, so Mike was my liaison in China, and uh, David and the Giku team really trusted Mike. That way, they trusted me as well. So I'll. You need a lot of cash. Meet the person who you're gonna work with in China and the products. First of all, examine it. See if you're gonna like it. See if you're gonna sell. If you like it yourself, it should be easy for you to sell. Yeah. And so you've never met David, your business partner, before yet, right? I've never met him. No. Yeah, and which is very, very rare. You're doing business with someone in China. In China, they really like to meet you, shake your hand, talk to you, and just you know see how you interact in person with them. I remember David. We've shared several, several emails back and forth, but I've never met in person. We've talked on the phone. Never met. Uh, so Michael was super instrumental because they're putting basically putting their faith in you through him. Michael was. I mean, like I said, Michael was the one who made it happen. Exactly. Yeah, and.、Uh, I can even remember several times in several emails, David asking Michael to vouch for me for certain thing. I'm like, yep, and Michael was more than happy to. You know, he was like, hey, I met Jimmy. You know, I know him. I trust him. He's gonna do what he says. He can move these products. So David has actually said that. You know, literally, I, I need Michael to vouch for you. You know, and he's done that several times. Especially a foreigner they've never met before through another foreigner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, because because if you could speak Chinese, if you were like kind of、exactly. like you know, me, A B C, it would be so much different, right? Exactly. I mean, before David got like an assistant, who I speak with now, May, all David used to do to understand、uh, to speak with me was literally use Google Translate. <laughs> yeah, and my emails, he just put in Google Translate and、uh, and read it, and、uh, he'll reply to me. That's literally how we communicated. Until he got this、uh, English-speaking assistant, who's been very helpful as well. Yeah, and I guess it's a big leap of faith on your side too to actually trust that this guy will trust you to ship product to you, right? Ah,、uh, yeah. Well, it was it was difficult. We've had several times when,、uh, you know, in the middle of the night, I'm sending Michael this email, and they're sending Michael email too as well. You know, Michael, Jimmy, blah blah blah, Jimmy, Michael. There's been several times when、uh, we've both gone to. Seeking Michael's、uh, solution for, you know, I think、uh, problems we've encountered in the past, and it was obvious things that had to do with shipping products to me at,、uh, with no money upfront. And、uh, at some point, I was getting frustrated because they kept on saying they wanted to grow in the U.S. And I'm telling them this is the way to grow in the U.S. No one is going to do it this way. You know, this is the, I understand this is the way you do it here, but no one's going to do it this way in the U.S. Trust me. And I, I kept on hearing these、uh, complaints that they want to grow. They're not growing in the U.S. I'm, I'm trying to make you grow in the U.S. You have to do it this way. At the end, we all run into Michael, and、uh, that's the point. I just decided, you know what? I'll just do whatever they want me to do at this point. You know, they want cash up front. I'll give them cash up front for now. You know, and I build faith from that. Yeah, awesome. And, and it seems like once you guys got over the trust issue, everything goes really well because, like I said, your design is all in China. Your team is like the same team. Doesn't like. Yeah, yeah, exactly. As soon as we got over those issues with、uh, trust and everything, everything just started working. We just started working a lot more. Seamlessly, David got this assistant that I could just be working with, you know, twenty four seven. Whenever I needed her, she was always there. You know, I go through her. Technically, Geek Cook US and Geek Cook China are two separate companies. Technically, on the books, they are. 
although I do have the permission to use their name, which is a lot easier. And then I, I didn't want to start my own company from scratch just yet. I was just I was more than happy with the geek brand. I wanted to build a brand here in the U.S. But as soon as uh, we got through the issues, I was even forwarding them the POs, you know. Uh, hey, look, here's the PO. You know, so I think transparency is so important. So I think that's what they even trusted me on my side when they saw it. I was willing to share all this information with them. So I'll get POs and, uh, and I'll just forward it straight to them. Hey, look, here's another PO. I'll forward it. They saw all the information. So we're just so transparent and um, everyone was just comfortable that way. Awesome. Awesome. So if you want to buy Geek Cook products, where can we find them in the U.S.? Uh, in in the U.S., you just go to uh, en, the abbreviation, en.geekcook.net. And of course, in China, you can just go to geekcook.net. All right, man. Well, Jimmy, thanks so much. I think uh, I, don't, I don't think I have anything else. It's been very fun. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Today. Have a good day. To get more information about running an online store, visit our website at buildmyonlinestore.com. There, you'll find articles, case studies, and tools to help you run a successful online store. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Build My Online Store podcast.